welcome to this EG Investing Through Auctions podcast, where we're going to be talking about a flexible future for auctions. And I'm joined by Max Mason, Head of Sales at 574, Lambert Smithampton's auction business, and Mark Sayers, Head of Real Estate at Nationwide. Thanks for joining us. So just starting with you, Max, um, you're running an exclusively online business, and that was a move you made um, sometime prior to COVID. But within that, you're looking to develop uh, the business in a particular direction. I think it's fair to say you've moved uh, away from the hefty catalogues of multiple auction lots to something that revolves uh, around individual lots or collections of lots. Um, could you just talk us through that process? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing is at its core, the process is the same. So at its core, it is still an auction process. It's still um, competitive bidding, uh, an unconditional exchange, and it's under an auction. So everything there is exactly uh, as you'd expect from an auction. Um, where it changes really is in the timeline and how you go about achieving that exchange. And I mean, I guess it really started in quite literally the first first sort of few days where we decided to move online we were we were sitting around a, a sort of table and saying to ourselves right well when's our when's our first auction day going to be and um someone had the bright idea i, I i'd hate i could say it was me but i'd be lying um of saying well why don't we just not have auction days you know there was um a really a realization that the auction process, as we know it, the, uh, and you know, in a ballroom and with many lots, that only came into being really because people wanted to keep costs down and people wanted to rent a ballroom and sell a lot of lots in bulk at once. And we decided that we don't need to do that anymore. Being an online business, we have no necessity to rent a ballroom. We have no necessity to produce a catalogue. We can send lots out whenever we want and we can bring them to to conclusion whenever we want. And so why not give that option to our clients? And so what we've really tried to do is, is create a model that is bespoke, that is bespoke to the property, but also, you know, for the client as well. So it, it, it leads into client's needs. You know, if someone needs an auction done in a certain month to get on the right side of a tax window, if for an insolvency client, if someone needs something done quickly, you know, I, I was quickly looking at dates. I think um, you know a lot of auction houses now have one auction every six weeks. But if there's one that you just missed the catalogue date for, then you've got to wait probably another eight to ten weeks before you can get in to an auction with a traditional auctioneer. Whereas what we say to our clients is, look, if you need this on the market now, you know we can get it on the market now. And so there's just lots of different ways that you can apply a more flexible model. Um, and so that's really where we've come from with this and and what we're trying to achieve with it. Okay, great. Thank you. So so how frequent we have actually once very recently we had an auction that we were doing for the Ministry of Defence and it had so much interest. We had 550 interested parties on one property um, that we actually had to move it just by a day, but to give it its own auction day. 
so that it wouldn't compromise our ability to focus on other lots. So, you know, we do move things around within a week, but generally we work on a sort of two two auctions a month structure. Um, and then we, we sort of shift those around depending on certain things. Like, for example, last week was half term. You want to avoid half term. Um, it's not very sensible to have an auction when everyone's on holiday, even though we can't go on holiday at the moment. So we work on a generally a two week structure. Um, but we say to our clients at any point, we are completely flexible. We will work to what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess costs is, is, is always an issue for clients. Is there, is, is there a different sort of um, pricing process for this as opposed to having your lot marketed in a big bumper catalogue alongside other stock? Is it, is it more expensive for clients to go this way? So, I mean, when we started the online process, so I was pretty new, pretty green to auctions when we moved online. Um, That was when I really came into the auction uh, sphere, as it were. And so I just knew what we charged beforehand. And what we charged beforehand as a traditional ballroom auctioneer uh, was £1,000 was the listing fee. And then you charge a success fee as a percentage if you sell the property. Now, we looked at our fees and thought, right, how are we applying this? And we were spending X amount on a ballroom. We were spending X amount on a catalogue. And we weren't doing that much online. And But our metrics were showing, and this was three years ago now when this sort of data feedback was a bit patchy. But our metrics were showing that actually our online marketing was doing a lot better anyway. Um, so because, you know, your catalogue really only goes out to a couple of thousand people because it's going out in the post. It's expensive to send it out in the post. So we we actually kept our fees the same. So we still charge a thousand pounds. So we're no more expensive or no less expensive. But we pump absolutely every penny of it into online advertising. And I think mm-hmm. genuinely <clears throat> we get a lot more bang for your buck now than you did um, a couple of years ago and you know i think that shows in just the, the level of interested parties that we get you know obviously there's there's advances in data feedback so we're measuring that a lot better but you know just from just from the feeling that i get i personally feel like we're getting a lot better exposure by putting all of that money into online and there's there's new ways popping up all the time that you can explore uh, advertising you know with linkedin now you can target your advertising to certain groups and, you know, we explore all of that and offer part of that listing fee to our clients is allocated as, you know, discretionary. And we will stick that wherever we think is appropriate for that particular client, for that particular property into a, a marketing medium. So sometimes that's an advert in a local paper. Sometimes that's targeted social media advertising. But we keep a sum of that listing fee to apply to an appropriate place. So whether you're targeting sort of local buyers or overseas or whatever, it's sort of yeah, exactly. bringing it, yeah, yeah. to that. Um, OK, that's great. So so let's bring in the client perspective here. <clears throat> Mark, just to give um, give us a reminder, could you um, talk us through the, the, the nationwide property portfolio that, that you're looking after? Yeah, good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, so we have uh, 650 or so branches uh, at present. That was around um, 800 or so uh, several years ago, but we've been uh, divesting uh, since then, particularly where we've acquired historic brands in the in the past, like the, uh, the Portman uh, Building Society. So we have our, our branch estate, we have a uh, an admin estate of offices and uh, several industrial 
supporting units as well. And uh, in the latter years, we've been selling around uh, 15 to 20 uh, sites a year. And we always thought we were doing absolutely fine looking at the data since uh, 2013. Our receipts were something like 85 million just from the surplus branch estate, 121 sites. And that's a 25% improvement over book value. And so we hadn't really considered uh, the auction process at all until uh, LSH invited us to uh, examine it um, just over a year ago now. So Lambert Smithampton are our incumbent suppliers on a, um, a five-year bundled service contract. Mm -hmm. And we have a number of other suppliers such as Colliers who provide our book valuations, uh, which gives us a good guide for how successful LSH are or aren't at uh, effecting disposals. So, so you, so you started looking at the auction um, process about a year ago. You, you, you said, and what sort of? So, so did you start sort of putting lots in around about then? Um, how, how quickly did you get going with it? In fact, Max, it, it might have even been more than a year. That's because probably been about COVID, COVID seems to yeah. blur things, doesn't it? It's probably about eighteen <laughs> months. It's probably 18 months, yeah. around two years, nearly. We'll be coming up to two years shortly, I reckon. Um, it's been a while. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. We that, that is time that uh, flies for you. Yeah. So initially, <laughs> we, we we put in some of our problem children, ones that had hung around for a couple of years. We didn't have that many of those, but um, I can think of two: Hanley and uh, and Sutton in Ashfield were a couple of properties that we just couldn't shift. And, and in the case of uh, one of those, we did have a a buyer. But that particular buyer was an institution who just wasn't moving with the necessary uh, dexterity that we wanted them to. They, yeah. they weren't performing at all. So they so wanted, that, they committed to buying the site, but this surplus site, but it just wasn't moving moving forwards. That's right. We just felt we had to introduce an element of, of tension. We couldn't identify another bidder. Um, but then through talking with them, um, the LSH auction team, they suggested why didn't we try uh, an online auction approach just to see whether we could galvanise some interest and um, whether or not that interest was crystallised, it was a sufficient uh, leverage to induce the, the purchaser to actually commit to it. So from that perspective, it was actually very successful. So was that, um, did that transaction happen on an auction contract? in the end, so rather than private treaty? Yeah, so that transaction was auction contract. So mm -hmm. the, the basic scenario that led up to that is we did have this buyer that was involved on a long-term basis, but they weren't really performing. Uh, we used the auction as a, a method of, you know, giving them effectively an ultimatum and saying to them, you know, this is, this is your time frame. And actually the flexibility of the auction process really helped there because we actually initially had it on the market for a period of about three to four weeks. Um, they were making, this buyer were actually making decent progress. You know, they were a long way ahead of the market and a long way ahead of where the data suggested the rest of the market was going to be. So we encouraged just having an extra couple of weeks on the auction, just to allow them that final little bit to see if they can get the deal done. Um, you know, and actually in a traditional, if we were still only offering 
ballroom auctions at this point, we would have had to have withdrawn that lot and re-entered it into the next auction in six weeks, eight weeks time, whatever it was. So having that flexibility of just adding on those extra two weeks is actually, in my opinion, the reason why we got that deal done in the end. And yes, they did eventually get their act together and they purchased under an auction contract in a prior sale. Um, so, you know, 10% on exchange, done and dusted. Uh, and it was it was about 20% in excess of book value. So keeping up with the sort of where we where we needed to be in terms of Mark's metrics that he said earlier. Um, but that was, you know, a case of, yes, okay, the flexibility helped, but also the data feedback of having an online platform really helped because you could, you could see that the rest of the market wasn't quite in that in that area that this buyer was for pricing yeah okay yeah. <clears throat> but but putting their feet to the fire as you'd say um that that got them over the line to actually mm. get the transaction done um brilliant so so and there, there was another another case study you said you you might be able to um talk us through mark that was slightly a slightly different scenario where this flexible auction approach worked for you. Where yes, was that? Yes, at our, our Hanley branch, that, that was another one which had been um, on the market for, for two years or so. And, and the offers that we received were just incredibly uh, low and the level of interest was very low. And, um, and so encouraged by um, the success at, uh, at Sutton, we, we put that in the auction and again, just having that ability to to flex the uh, the auction marketing period to align with the the volume of interested parties just allowed effectively for a second push that we mm. couldn't have otherwise had if we'd used more traditional means and um, and actually we were very happy with that one we we had a um, an outperformance of almost ten percent over the guide and looking at some of the historic offers that we had received which were around about a third to a half of what the end result was uh, was really encouraging and i think from using those two uh, examples that was really the moment that i thought hang on there may be something in this well the um the properties that have traditionally flown off our books and so um a typical example would be um, Scotland's, uh, a suburb in um, uh, Wolverhampton, and our, our guide for that, our book value uh, set by Colliers was something like uh, 110,000. And in the end, we were able to achieve um, 311, just a staggering, almost three times more. Gosh. And um, that that's just showed how that where you've got a property such as one of these suburban um, ones by exposing it to so many people having that platform which is wider than anything we would have done before it, it created a, a feeding frenzy mm. and um, we had uh, nine nine bidders 200 over 221 uh, bids and uh, the whole thing was very successful mm. I'd say with that one as well, that was a really good example of local interest. I mean, I actually, I did the viewings on that one. And um, I, I remember going there, every single person was local to the property, 
Really? Every single person, every single person knew each other. That was fun. Um, but you know, it was, and you know, we're talking about a suburb of Wolverhampton here. It's not something that you'd typically see uh, potentially in your in your London sort of ballroom lots. And actually, I, you know, I can't say this with absolute confidence, but I'm fairly confident that a lot of those people would not have travelled to our ballroom auction had we still been doing it in a hotel in London. And it was only by getting all of those people bidding against each other, probably with a little bit of emotion, a bit competitively. It was by getting all of that 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 we achieved the price that we did. And yeah, I was pretty astounded by it, having watched it. But, you know, look, when we were doing our checks on all the bidders, again, you know, you, you see the addresses, you see where people are based. Everyone was local to the lot. There was not a single national bidder in that in that auction. Yeah. And this this was, did you say this was a surplus branch? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, and this reminds me, um, Max mentioning about checks, because that was another reason that um, we were a little bit unsure about the auction process. Nationwide, like any um, financial institution, is super sensitive to financial crime. And we thought, well, the, the whole auction process isn't going to allow us enough time to vet. Uh, purchases because we would never want to to sell to someone who has a uh, a questionable financial record or, or some kind of sanction related uh, issue and mm. we we thought that that would be a barrier to using uh, the auction process but in fact it, it hasn't been we've been able to uh, to cope with that and um, satisfy a, a pretty robust uh, regime of, of checking yeah so presumably that's all dealt with in the sort of pre-registration sort of phase in the run-up yeah to the auction so all of our bidders pre-register and yeah we have an explicit approval process so no one gets approved to bid on any lot unless they've completed an aml check mm. and we i think you know part of the flexible approach actually is we do maybe slightly uh make things a little bit difficult for ourselves because if someone wants to bid on you know, two different lots about a month apart uh, or two weeks apart even, we are checking them twice, but that's the, yeah. that's the level that we go to with these. Um, you know, luckily when you're checking someone a second time, usually they haven't committed any money laundering offences <laughs> in the two weeks. In the interim, um, <laughs> but, you know, it, 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 it is something that the industry has had to really pick up on. I mean, we started taking it very seriously from the moment we moved online. That was really, so 2017, 18, that was when we said, like, this is something that we've got to take very, very seriously. And, yeah. you know, it's it's one of the ways where I think the the auction industry is really going to grow in the next couple of years is how we how we integrate and make that process better for the bidder and better for the client. Because, you know, by making it easier for the bidder, we're improving uh, pricing, hopefully. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's that is a whole industry effort. That isn't just us. That is every auctioneer across the entire nation needs to be applying very very stringent stringent Absolutely. checks so that um bidders know what they're doing bidders know that this is the standard now because i think at the moment there's a bit of a lack of guidance um from hmrc and there's a bit of a uncertainty about how we should be carrying out these checks we've taken the option of just being you know as 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 harsh as possible to make mm -hmm. sure that we are, you know, as as in depth and as as stringent as we can be with our checking, um, there is a slight differential across the market, and that is causing a bit of confusion amongst bidders. I think we really mm -hmm. need to nail down 
and get yeah, that process sorted. Absolutely. Mm, yeah, and so so yeah, for nationwide, as Mark says, that's yeah, that's absolutely vital to know that those those stringent checks are, are taking place. So, yeah. so so those first two examples you mentioned, so they, those might be classed as as, as the, the the problem children, as you said. Um, but then that that last that last one that yeah that was perhaps more you you, you thought saw that there might actually be a, an opportunity to rather than stick with private treaty to 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 see how auction might work for you there so are you looking you're, you're looking at other um examples like that now are you um yeah yeah i think when we um looking ahead at our disposal program and the, and the ones that we have planned we we are prepared to um take the advice of our our provider as to which route is the best and mm. sometimes to run both in, in parallel um I think one of the benefits for us of the um, online auction process is that we can be more collaboratively involved as it proceeds. So we, we can talk to them about what's the level of download. And then when we're getting offers in ahead of an auction, as is fairly usual when it's a property in, in good demand, then we're able to have a um, a discussion as to well tactically should we take that bird in the hand or should we actually proceed to the auction and, and does that auction period need to be extended and, and and there is this kind of dance between um client and uh, and partner as to how to get the most out of each individual circumstance and the, the online process seems to facilitate that in a way that perhaps um isn't always there with the more traditional means and mm. uh, yeah so we, we were able to do that a, re a recent example would be cliftonville and um we were anticipating potentially even making a loss we weren't expecting a, a high profit um book value was in the low 80s and actually we got um, just under 140k so again a really decent level of receipt Mm. A lot of that was just down to this process of uh, monitoring the pre-auction uh, offer. The thing with that one as well is we were getting offers in excess of the guide price, very good offers, or what we could, or what were considered in terms of the book value, very good offers. And um, the data just suggested that we were going to get more, and that's why really we continue to auction with that with that particular property. Um, you know, I always find it pretty staggering how similar humans react when you put them all in a in a auction scenario it doesn't matter really where the lots are um you know there will be roughly the same number of legal pack downloads compared to interested parties and actually from that you can draw a relationship to how many bidders and we do have a bidder predictor function um and it's quite startlingly accurate um it's a very very strange thing to be able to predict the number of bidders and be right um, but you know, with um, with Canot, uh, no, sorry, with Canot Road, with um, with the property over in uh, Margate, wasn't it? Uh, Cliftonville. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, um, the 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 data really suggested, you know, we had well, we had 31 registered interested parties, and 30 of them had downloaded the legal pack. So that is a very high rate of download um, compared to the average is about 75. Um, so we ended up thinking to ourselves, well, actually we're in for a very competitive day here. 
and all of those parties or several of those parties had made offers in the region of 80 to 90 thousand pounds and we were there going actually we think they're sort of lowballing us a bit here let's let it go to auction let's pit these guys against each other so you know and i guess the point is it's not guesswork you know this is this is scientific this is data based and that is how we um feed the information back to to mark and the guys at nationwide and how you know we advise them in this thing it's not a gut feeling it is very very scientific and they are involved in that and have transparency of that information the whole way through mm-hmm. and having that that ability to to sort of look at um a, a nationwide lot say uh, as as opposed to sort of focusing on a whole catalogue on the day i guess that makes a big difference in in sort of fine-tuning it does oh, it absolutely for us i think you know having that that little and often approach um i think this and this is where i see this really moving is more towards a sort of a mix of private treaty and auction because with each of these lots we get i think we get to focus on each one a lot more and and people talk about the skill of an auctioneer uh, and i'm talking about on a rostrum hitting a gavel on a on a table that sort of skill and the 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 ability to create interest in the in the auction ballroom and a lot of people question me of how we replicate that in an online scenario and i think by having this little and often approach you know, personally, I, you know, running this team have a personal hand in each and every one of the properties that we deal with. And I'm able to focus on every single property that we deal with because it's on a drawn out basis and because it's on this little and often approach. And beyond that, because we have this pre-registration process, I'm able to, during bidding, call up and speak to any interested party and give them that little bit of an extra push to get them across the line. So there's this there's this excellent sort of level of focus that you can have on individual lots by splitting them out over a longer period of time or mm-hmm. over a more frequent period of time. And you, you can get this exceptional level of focus and really nail in on the detail, provide that certainty to bidders. And I think that falls through increasing the price because it increases the confidence that bidders are willing to make in their bids. Mm-hmm. And presumably, sort of, you know, obviously, you're 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 wanting to grow the business, and as the volumes as the volumes grow, um, I guess then it's a case of growing your team then to continue to offer that. Absolutely. Very Absolutely. sort of um, personalised approach. Yeah, it's we're, you know we're in a people business. Everyone always says it. Um, a lot of people don't live it. I think the the, the traditional model of an auction is actually quite impersonal. Um, you know, you are as an auctioneer standing in front of a ballroom of four, five hundred people, and you're trying to pick out the three or four that are specifically bidding on that one lot in a catalogue of a hundred. I don't, I personally don't understand how that is a personal interaction. You know, we we have a process here where I can pick out, I know who the people are. I've got their phone numbers. I can ring them up. I can say hi, introduce myself, make it a personal relationship and actually give them that confidence and that ability to bid a bit more. And yeah, I think that's a really, really key principle. And I think in terms of growing the business, yes, it's about adding more people, but it's also about just making that experience better for both the, the client, for Mark and, and Nationwide and for and for the bidders. Um, I think we need to integrate and bring together our interface on the bidder side a lot more just to make it a lot more simple, a lot easier. 
And then on Mark's side, I think a big goal for us is to, you know, in terms of that information that we deliver to him at the moment, it's very much sort of in an email format or it's it's over the phone. I, I really want Mark to be able to have a dashboard where he can just log in, see all of the lots we've got with him, see the data feedback that we're giving him and our comments included within that. And then obviously if he needs to, he can he can ring us up and speak to us. But giving him that information at his fingertips um, so that he doesn't have to chase me for an interest update. So it's just all there. I think that's, mm, that's dash- really yeah. the next step of where we're trying to integrate this process. Yeah. So how, how far how far away do you think you are? Oh, we're pretty much there. Um, yeah. We're, we're in, in late development stages at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. We're also in late development stages of an app, which will do pretty much the same thing. Um, and that that app is hopefully going to integrate the anti-money laundering process for bidders as well to allow them to verify their documents via their website. We use a separate app at the moment um, to verify uh, bidder information, but we're we're trying to integrate those things and just make everything a one-stop shop. Um, and that's that's really where I see this going. And then I think obviously nationally. You know, I, I do want to make the uh, the flexible model more of an established model. It's mm-hmm. obviously something that's not it's not seen as 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 the the regular the the MO by the common auction bidder. Uh, we want to make that a lot more established in the market. And I think one of the main ways we're going to do that is by making this a bit more of a halfway house between private treaty and auction. And actually, you know, what Mark was saying is that some of these some of the properties that we're looking at could potentially be run concurrently and actually we have a private treaty process all the way through and then instead of having this informal tender process at the end the best bids approach you actually bring your interested parties into an unconditional auction and what it does is it removes the contract risk from you know price chipping which we're seeing a lot of at the moment in the private treaty market um you know it gives you certainty of contract and it means the only variable is pricing and so you know, I think there's a lot to be said for bringing together elements of private treaty and auction into one sales model. So, yeah, so moving in that direction rather than in trying to sort of grow your um, the size of your, you know, your 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 online catalogue, as it were, in the way that the other big commercial auctioneers um, <clears throat> might focus on. It's more it's more this keeping it bespoke oh. and individual. You know, for Hampton is a business we've got, yeah, we've got 40 offices across the country. Um, it, it makes absolutely no sense not to use those offices. You know, we, we need to be, you know, I, I'm, when, when we're dealing with a property in Wolverhampton, for example, we have a Birmingham office and I bring someone from our Birmingham office in on a sale that we do there. You know, the same goes for when we're doing MOD properties. We've got an MOD property coming up in, um, in Cumbria and we've got a Kendall office up there. So I'm bringing in that party from that. And then what we're doing is we're running these marketing processes at the same time in union with one another. And it's leading to, in my opinion, a much better result for, for the client mm-hmm. and for the bidder because they're getting access to these properties where they otherwise wouldn't have because it's exclusively for a, a London-based ballroom auction clientele. Yeah. Okay, well, and almost out of time. Just perhaps just to to wrap up with them. So, Mark, sort of how how can you put a, a number on how many um, lots you've you've put through this process so far? Um, well, it's, it's, it's been early days um, mm. at the moment. I think what I can say is that there would definitely be 
many more going through it, that this is something we're much more open to. And I think uh, the interesting thing for me personally would be to experiment, maybe putting some of our offices uh, through it, or uh, we've, we've got a, uh, an industrial site. Um, so I think um, it has proved its, its worth. And, um, and I agree with what um, Max has been saying about it being uh, the future that it, we have a duty, a mandate to get best value in every case. And this is a fantastic way of proving it, providing mm. a great audit trail and, um, and, and giving us the, the flexibility and most importantly, the results uh, that we need to see. Perfect. Well, thanks both for, for exploring um, that with us. Um, so Max Mason, Head of Sales at 574 and Mark Sayers, Head of Real Estate at Nationwide. Thanks both for joining us and thank you for listening. Thank you. Pleasure.